that talks about the love and the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Before we get there, though, I want to do a very, very short meditation, a short reflection, following on in the, in the Scripture series that we've been doing, The Mark of Christ. As we've looked at Mark and we've looked at the miracles, we've looked at the parables, we've looked at the stories, and now we look at Jesus as he comes into Jerusalem. And it is during this time that these words, these verses are written by Mark out of the 12th chapter and the 28th verse, or starting with the 28th verse, Mark writes these things. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to Jesus, you're right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and there is no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You can sing the country song. Nothing you can say, but you can learn how to play the game. It's easy. Nothing you can make the country made. Who is that? Beatles. Beatles, circa 1967. Where were you in 1967? I had somebody today in the early service said, not even thought of over 50 years ago. And I know that's not exactly what we usually play during this service, but in fact, it drives home a point that I want to drive home to you very quickly today. Because in today's story, Jerusalem is co- or Jesus is coming into Jerusalem, and death is literally a breath away. His enemies are closing in upon him. And there up comes this scribe who, somewhere along the line, must have had a very cordial way about himself because Jesus greeted him differently. Because when he approached Jesus, he asked this question, which commandment is the most important of all? And in contrast to a lot of the Pharisees who surrounded him, Jesus saw the sincerity written on this scribe's face, the goodness in his features, and he replied with the ancient capsulated expression of the Hebrew faith, the Shema, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. 
You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. These words are recited daily by devout Jews. They acknowledge God as the one true Lord and serve as a reminder that we are to worship him and to love him with all our being. But almost in the same breath, Jesus continues, the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Those words appear in Leviticus, and they are immediately followed in Leviticus with these words, I am the Lord. Just as we love God because he is our Lord, we are to love our neighbors for the same exact reason, because God is our Lord. Almost in the same breath, Jesus responds. He's referring to these as the first and second commandments, but he almost speaks to them as one. He says, there is no other commandment, no other commandment greater than these. Have you ever thought about it? If we really could do this day in and day out, if we really could be about loving the Lord our God and loving our neighbors as ourselves, would we have the problems, the issues, the concerns that we have in this world? You can't study the Shema without understanding that to love God is far from simplistic. Loving God requires nothing more than a complete commitment of whole self, everything that you are. And in these verses, the Greek word that's used is agape, agape. It's not the Greek word eros, which is sometimes used for romantic or erotic love. It is not philia, which is a kind of friendship based on a common interest like the same taste in music or the same sense of humor. Agape is the kind of love that we find in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It is the love that is chosen, the love that is literally acted out. It doesn't depend on good behavior. It perseveres even through disappointment. It loves No matter what, no matter what, God loves us with that kind of love. He asks us to love him the same way, and then above and beyond that, he asks us to love our neighbor. Now, you know as well as I do that the Bible is about relationships. Our faith is about a relationship, our relationship vertically with God and a relationship horizontally with each other. And all the theologians agree on this. Jesus, of course, was the first He was asked, what does it take to have a God-centered life? And he said, it's quite simple. Love God, love others. And then Augustine. Augustine, the great theologian of the early church, said, everything written in Scripture is meant to teach us how to love either God or love others. Martin Luther would say the same thing about a thousand years later. He would say, the entire Christian life, your faith walk, is about relating to the people around you and serving one another. That's the one truth throughout all of this that really all you need is love. And we can't truly follow Jesus unless we learn how to love. We can say that we're followers of Christ, but unless we learn how to love, we fall short. I read on one of those church signs someplace that you see outside churches that when God measures a person, he puts a tape measure around their heart. I love that image. When God measures a person, he puts a tape measure around your heart. No person can be said to be a whole person unless they are able to love well. That's what the Bible talks about. It talks about God. God 
is love, first and foremost, above and beyond anything else. And if you go to the first epistle of John, you'll read these words. It says, no one can truly love God who does not love his or her neighbor. That should strike home to each and every one of us. None of us can truly love God unless we can love our neighbor. Now, most of us would say, well, it's easy to love my spouse. It's easy to love my children, my grandchildren, even members in my family. That's easy to do. What do they say? Family's family. Blood is thicker than water. But it's not simply about that kind of love. How about the server in the restaurant? How about the clerk at the convenience store who can barely speak English? How about the woman on the freeway who cuts you off because she's talking on her cell phone? How about the homeless guy that approaches you for a handout? The test of Christian love is not exactly how we treat each other at home, although we can probably certainly improve in that area. The test of a Christ-like love, the love that Jesus is talking about, is how we treat those that are seemingly undeserving of our love. Love is not primarily an emotion or a feeling. In fact, if we're honest with ourselves, you don't have to like someone in order to love them. I love that all the time. People say, well, you know, you got to love them. says, love them. I don't even like them. You don't have to like someone to love them. That may be difficult for you to understand, but loving God means that we pray deliberately and we work for God's will to be accomplished. That's what loving God is about. So, therefore, loving our neighbor as ourselves means that we pray deliberately for them and we work for God's will to be done in their lives. And if there's something we might do physically or we might do with our hands to help God's will, that's what God is asking us to do. To recognize your neighbor and then through your words and your actions that you might be a proponent of seeing God's will done in that person's life. The scribe who came to Jesus liked the answer that Jesus gave. But even that, even though, even that Jesus said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Have you ever wondered about that? Wouldn't you think if the scribe nailed it on the head, he would say, you're good, you're in. You're in like Flint. No, he said, you're not far from the kingdom of God. And I've often wondered about that. And I think Jesus was really testing him, was really questioning him because the scribe was in the very presence of God. God was literally an arm length away from the scribe. That loving and self-giving one was right there. And then Jesus is also saying, do you see around you? Do you see your neighbors? Do you see the Pharisees? Do you see the widow who is so poor? Do you see the wealthy contributors? Do you see those who don't even like me and believe in my word? Those are your neighbors. Maybe that's the answer we should be seeking. Can we see? Can we really see and understand who our neighbors are? Despite all the times we talk about praying and doing, especially on behalf of the sick and the oppressed and the poor. It really comes down to contact. It comes down to getting your hands dirty, not just simply putting bucks in the plate, but going forth and doing something, making concrete decisions that affect other people's lives that the will of God might be done in their lives. That's Jesus' way of loving, and that's what he asked of us. So my question to you is, can we let Jesus' love shape our love? Even if it's risky, even if it's painful, 
Can we have encounters with other people that we don't even like? What did Charlie Brown once say? I love humanity. It's people I can't stand. Isn't that true a lot of the times? I love humanity. It's people I can't stand. The love of Christ is a fierce and a holy love. It's a fierce and a holy love that he shows us. It involves the pouring out of himself to us. And that's what involves the love we pour out to others. Sinners, other people just like us, just as broken as we are, filled with faults and smells and wrongdoings just like us. Can we love the way Jesus loves? How about the young mother? Maybe the young mother in the doctor's waiting room. Maybe the young mother right here in the pew who's busy with one and you reach over and you say, can you help with the toddler? Maybe that's a way that you can reach out in love. How about the person at the bank who's stumbling over English, trying desperately to understand what withdrawals and deposits are all about? Can you step out of line and help that person? Or are you too filled with yourself that you've got to get your own work done? How about the next-door neighbor who's struggling with their marriage? How about the daughter who knows how to push your buttons every 10 seconds? How about the husband who's afraid of being laid off? How about the guy across the street who borrows all this stuff but never brings it back, including your nunchucks? Can you love those people? Can you love those people? Those are the people who desperately need to know the strong and saving love, the compassion and mercy that is Jesus Christ, and they need to know it through you. Do we dare be inconvenienced by this life? Do we dare be made look foolish or make mistakes? Do we dare love God and love that neighbor even though it wrings the very worst out of our hearts with pain? Whatever feelings and emotions crop up when I say the word love, know first and foremost that love is obedience to God. Faithful obedience to God. We all know what God's will is in our lives and the lives of others. We may not know exactly what the tapestry is, what the whole divine plan is, but we know that he wants us to love him and he wants us to love each other. And to love God means saying, yes, yes, I'll do that. I'll do that. With every fiber of my being, I will love you, Lord. And we do the same thing to our neighbors. Yes, I'll love you. Even though I don't like you, I'll love you with every fiber of my being, that God may work through me with my words or my actions, that God's will might be done in your life. That's what he wants. It's what we've been created for, folks. It's what we've been redeemed for. It is what we are commanded by the Lord our God to do, to love him and to love others. In the end, in the end, maybe you can just say, all you need is love. All you need is love, and to share that love vertically and horizontally. To love him and to love one another. So ask yourself, Christ died for you on a cross. He loved you so much that he was willing to sacrifice himself for you in all of your brokenness and love you. And so, what are you willing to do 
for him. Would you bow your heads with me?